Hello, my little holiday elves, and welcome back to our five days of Giftmas week. Each day we'll be posting a new little Christmas treat for you up until Christmas Eve. Now, please remember going forward that our show is not necessarily intended for younger listeners. Uh, you know, we do have some naughty language that comes out, and there's some definite adult situations that get mentioned. So, you know, just you might need to wait until you can have some private time to listen, especially today's show. Um, there's definitely a lot of adult language and content. So, um, you know, just to give you a fair warning. And of course, grab your holiday cocktail and let's start unwrapping today's gift. On the second day of Giftmas, keeping the Yuletide gay gave to me an extra-long classic or not-so-classic Christmas special review. Hi, welcome back to another edition of Classic or Not-So-Classic Christmas Special. That's right, on every episode of Keeping the Yuletide Gay, we like to have one little segment with me and a guesty bestie co-host to come on and decide whether or not a Christmas special from, you know, the 70s, the 60s, the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s, whatever is truly a classic or not so classic Christmas special. And I'm excited to bring on as our guesty bestie co-host for this edition is one of my absolute bestie friends in the entire world and a fellow He-Man fan, Peter. Hi, Peter. Season's greetings to my favorite Christmas queen. How are you today? <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna like edit that scene out and use it as like a promo somewhere. I don't know, that was amazing. Okay. Uh hi, how's it going? Good. How are you doing? Um, you know, I'm in the hustle and bustle of the holiday season. Ooh, that sounds exciting. Is it? I don't know. I just wrapped all of your presents, actually. Ooh, that's, that's, I like that's the sound what of that. I did. Nothing. I know, right? You're gonna get a gonna get a big old box full of nothing exciting. <laughs> That's, it's like my favorite. <laughs> I can't wait. I guess I deserve that after our last unboxing of the mystery gifts. This is true. If you haven't heard that episode, you need to go listen to Gavin with Gason. Uh, Peter has been a guest on two episodes, most recently one uh, two weeks ago, where he sent me a mystery box of quote unquote fun. It included a birthday present as well as many items from everyone's favorite craptacular website, Wish.com. So, Not to be featured as a sponsor anytime soon with that introduction. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, no. I, you know, sometimes you just kind of know. <laughs> yeah. You know, I have to say I was a little offended on your behalf today. Oh, why is that? I fired up the Apple TV and there's apparently a Mariah Carey Christmas special coming out. Yes. And they had the nerve to refer to her as the Queen of Christmas. And I was like, you know what? She's not my Queen of Christmas. What has she done for Christmas besides, you know, the most wildly popular Christmas song ever recorded, you know, for pop radio? But I was like, you know, Jason's really my Christmas Queen. 
that's that's what I, I want to be everyone's Christmas queen. But you know, I do have a fight with Carol. Christmas Carol will try to take that over. I know her. I know her. Mm-hmm. Um, I appreciate that. I want to be everyone's Christmas queen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was like, no, so back up. Mm-hmm. Just just to give a, a little background, Peter and I met at a He-Man and She-Ra toy convention many years ago and quickly uh, became friends. And uh, so we have a passion for He-Man and She-Ra. And I thought, you know what? It's the first season of Keeping Yuletide Gay. Let's go ahead and knock out the He-Man and She-Ra Christmas special with this episode. So I it might get a little nerdy on this one. Who knows? We're going to see. But uh, that's what we're going to talk about. We are here to determine today whether or not the He-Man and She-Ra Christmas special is a classic or not-so-classic Christmas special. And spoilers, we might be biased. (laughs) (laughs) So for those that haven't seen it, uh, the Christmas special actually aired back in 1985. And it was really only broadcast once on television, which is a shame. And now when I say television, I'm talking like the top four networks, like of regular TV. It did air a few more times on a couple other channels throughout the years. And it was later released on VHS. And then finally, uh, it came out on DVD in 2005 in a cute little collector's box with little art cards and special features. I may own it. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know how many versions I own of this, but... It's also a part of the um, complete He-Man and the Masters of the Universe set that you can get on iTunes, which I thought was lovely because I have it. Oh, that's a that's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. And if you look hard enough on YouTube, it, there, it's on there a ton too. So, you know, you can find it. So uh, I'm going to guess, Peter, that this is not your first time watching the He-Man and She-Ra Christmas special. Am I correct in that? It may be my first time in the two or three hundreds but no i've seen it i've seen it quite a few times and um it's exciting that we're celebrating a merry 35th anniversary of it i know right oh that's very exciting that's how it should be um i can't tell you how many times i watched this as a kid i remember uh, my mom and dad uh recording it for us on the vcr and i would watch it throughout the year i would just put it on um I've probably seen this special a hundred times. I guarantee at least a hundred times, if not more. Um, And I love it. It makes me so happy. So first off, what are your first thoughts about when you first start watching the show? Just the first couple of moments, like what's your first thoughts at the beginning? Um, I would say my first thought is just instant holiday magic because there are like a few reasons. Like the first shot that we get, is like a snow-covered Eternia. It just feels like the holidays. And there's this like weird Eternian version of Happy Birthday playing as the show starts. And then you get to see scenes of um, them, you know, everybody in the palace preparing for a party while Merlene is talking about how it's the twins' first time celebrating their birthday with the family since, you know, Adora had been recovered um, after her history of being with the Horde. And being abducted as a baby. So, um, you know, it's really cool. They, you know, they show everybody preparing for a party. And, you know, it turns out they're really preparing for this birthday party, not really Christmas. And Marlena starts talking about how it reminds her of Christmas. So it's sort of 
starts transitioning there, um, you know, and setting up the scene, but it also takes a couple minutes to set up a storyline, you know, involving, uh, involving Orko and kind of what's going to drive the, um, the episode. But then we're treated to what we never knew we needed more than anything, which is this amazing mega mix of the Masters of the Universe theme <laughs> with the She-Ra theme and also parts of Jingle Bells and probably other holiday music scattered in there in like a little medley. So like when it pops up Christmas special on the on the screen and you're getting this jingle bells treatment of the theme songs that we love so much as kids, it's just like, yes, there is Christmas right there. I 100% agree. Um, I said that I love the music very much. Uh, that it, as soon as it starts, it gave me this whole feeling of like nostalgia. And as a huge fan, like I know we are, the the palace decorating scene spans so many characters yeah. in the He-Man and She-Ra universe. And it's like, you would, ha- honestly, and I used, I did this once when the DVD first came out, I paused it every, like tried to get every frame because there's so many different characters just hidden in the background. Oh yeah, I did. Um, I took notes on it because I was like, what are these pairings of people? Like there are these random pairings of people you've never seen together, like Moss Man and Angela, you know, and it's like, what's the backstory there? You know, like <laughs> how did you two get assigned? Did, yeah. did everybody put their names in a hat? Is <laughs> that what happened? Were they exchanging like secret Santa presents and that's just who they ended up with? Or did they have some sort of you know, sorted 24 hours leading up to this moment that they're hushed in a corner talking to each other and catching up, you know? So all sorts of like, it's like ripe for fan fiction. Do you think it's catching up? Cause I feel like it's the first time some of these probably have ever interacted together. I, that's what I was wondering too. And that's one of the things I love so much about this episode is just the characters that they decided to pull in and who they left out and how they had people interacting I thought was really cool. I thought that was like a nice treat for like something fun to do with a Christmas special that you wouldn't necessarily see at other times, you know? So I had two notes about the beginning too, before we even really start talking about the the whole episode. Um, Number one was that I love how they name dropped the newer She-Ra characters (laughs) because I'm pretty sure they were out as toys at the time. (laughs) Smart. But yeah, like it was definitely like, oh, Flutterina and Peekaboo, but you never hear them say like Mossman or Fisto. Right. Right. They specifically mentioned the Shira characters. And the other thing, and this is what bothered me more than anything else Marlena and Randor, the king and queen of Eternia, have been together for at least 18 years because that's how old uh, Prince Adam and Princess Adora are. Right. And she's never once mentioned Christmas to him. And I question you, Marlena. I question your Christmas spirit. You know what? That's a good point, but I'll also throw a little shade at Randor for that because where has he been giving her the opportunity to bring her earth traditions to Eternia? You know? And who were these people to let their children grow up, one of them in the Horde, and the other without a Christmas? 
it's interesting. I wonder, I would love if Queen Marlena were real, if we could have a conversation with her to be like, did you not want to impose the religious aspect of Christmas on your children because you're on a different planet and they believe in different things? Is that what it was? Because you could still have talked about Santa Claus. Yeah. And was your culture just repressed? Like, are you okay? Do we need to like rescue you from this like oppressed life in Eternia? It's a little concerning. It is. It is. I Okay, so how the, you did a great job setting it up. Um, they're decorating for the um, twins' birthday, Adam and Adora. I will tell you one of my favorite scenes is in the very first few moments of the show. It's where Bo is talking to Peekaboo about painting, and he basically mansplains to her <laughs> that she should use purple. And the, she turns around, and she doesn't say anything, but she turns around and gives him a face like, there, bitch. I, I put purple on the wall. I know, and what's so great about it, he's like, purple would look great up there, Flutterina. And oh. and wait, was it Flutterina? That's who it was? Uh, no, Pika Blue, Pika Blue, because Flutterina was helping with the banner. Um, yeah, and like you, it pans over to Pika Blue, and she's already drawn like two very elaborate stars in purple. She's like, thanks, bitch, I already did it. <laughs> like, <laughs> does this meet your male expectations i think we're uncovering some like patriarchy <laughs> here in eternia that i wasn't even prepared to go down in the christmas special but there it is it's there it's there i i just i just like that Bo was kind of a bitch <laughs> and then she was like i will out bitch you very quickly right. with just a look too that's that's a skill that very few people possess <laughs> i possess it it look i could give you a look like that will definitely make you feel it in your soul. And that's, you notice it didn't pan back to Bo. Right, because he was probably like, oh my God. I stepped the line. I stepped <laughs> over the line. So I guess we've just uncovered that your spirit Ethereum is um, Pika Blue, huh? I, I'm down with that. I'm down with that. I love Pika Blue. She's one of my favorite characters. So She's got a good yeah. moment later in the series that I really appreciated too, where she used yeah. like this weird sight beyond sight kind of Thundercats thing with her, with her, mm. Uh, with her feathers, the eyes and her feathers, they all start twinkling and things. I was like, wow, I didn't know you were so cool. Me either. Me either. So while everyone else is decorating, Prince Adam, a.k.a. He-Man, and Man-at-Arms are testing Man-at-Arms' new Sky Spy machine vehicle thing. And also, I had a note in here that Man-at-Arms was kind of an ass to Prince Adam. Because Prince Adam was like, hey, shouldn't we go help with decorating? He's like, in a minute, I'm a grumpy old man, and we're going to do what I want to do. Um, He's jealous. It's not his birthday. Right, yeah. And now the Sky Spy, it looks like a, like a rocket ship that's manned by one person. And um, I would have liked that as a toy. I would have bought it. I mean, yeah, it's a pretty standard like rocket with these, like what was mm -hmm. it, like three thrusters kind of thing coming off or three, maybe not thrusters, but like whatever those Pong things were. I thought the design was pretty cool. I mean, we have to be honest and tell everybody, if you've never watched He-Man or She-Ra, it's a, it's a show that was created, honestly, and we all have to admit this, it was created to sell toys. We know that it was. And I feel like this Christmas special definitely steps into that territory a lot. But I have problems with some of it. I have problems with some um, of it. I wish it. I wish it would have a little more, because there were a few things that I noticed, like... Well, one, it raised some questions for me. Like, why do both the good guys and the bad guys have sky slides? I, I don't know. Right? Like, it's kind of weird that they both have the same exact machinery. 
And I mean, I'm assuming there's there's probably like a sky sled car lot on Eternia where anybody can go, and as long as you're credit worthy, <laughs> that that makes sense. I really wish that had been featured in an episode. It would have like brought so much clarity for me. Maybe there's like there's like Wait, there's a Tony Stark the that like manufactures war weapons for all of Eternia, and he's not good or bad. He just serves the highest bidder. The the character that works there is just called Sales yeah. Man. With a high it's thing. like Sid from Sales. Uh, Sales uh, 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 but yeah, like so anyway. they had that sky sled, but then later you get to see Hordak on these amazing horde sky sleds. Yeah. They're just like like this flat black with like the red horde logo on it, and they're just so sleek. And so cool, and I'm like, my god, why didn't we have that as a toy? Like, especially yeah, that would have been amazing. in classics. Why did they not give us that? Because it's just it would have so, been so cool, cool and so well designed. You know, I told you all we were going to nerd out on this one. I'm really sorry, but it's just kind of <laughs> so Orko, who's the comedy relief, he kind of represents a child in a way. He's a floating little blue trollin, and um, he decides to investigate this guy spy and accidentally turns it on and that's where the christmas show, uh christmas special actually begins like you talked about we all of a sudden we get the amazing christmas mix and then uh the sky spy is out of control because he doesn't know what he's doing yeah, he breaks it he literally <laughs> breaks the handle <laughs> and then we come to one of my favorite scenes <laughs> it's skeletor who's the he-man's villain right the bone face guy uh flying in one of his ships that nerds know us nerdy folk know as the collector and we never got that as a toy and i'm still real bitter about it um but he's in there with some of his uh evil warriors he's got too bad which is a two-headed beast guy he's got spike or uh one of my favorite characters spike or uh who's covered in spikes web store who is like a spider guy and then, weirdly enough, he's got a snake man who's named Ratlore, which is so bizarre because he doesn't actually work for Skeletor. He works for another guy named King Hiss, but whatever. Um, and they see the Sky Spy, and Skelly's like, I want it. <laughs> We're going to go get it. And so they go after it. And there is this ridiculous scene between two bads, two heads as one of my favorites, I actually wrote it out. And and the blue head of Too Bad, which is Tuvar, uh, is 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 saying, Oh, it's a meteor. <laughs> <laughs> the purple head, which is Badura, says, You gotta have your eyes checked, you lame brain. <laughs> and like they just insult each other. And then Skeletor basically yells at them both and says he'll put both their heads in <laughs> orbit if they don't go get it. And then it ends with one of them going, yes, sir, we're going to the right. And the other's like, no, to the left. That ship, what is it? It, it, That's a meteor. A meteor? You better have your eyes checked, you lame brain. Yeah, watch it, motor mouth. Enough, too bad. Get that ship before it escapes, or I'll put both your heads in orbit. Uh, Left it is, sir. To the right. Yes, sir, Skeletor. Left. Right. Yeah, they're total morons. And what's funny about it, like I, you know, I like sometimes I forget what their voices sounded like, and Too Bad's mm. voices are both just very strange to me. Like I, like they weren't fitting too well with kind of what I expected them to. And I think I'm thinking more about the 2000X cartoon, maybe. But 
Yeah, yeah we're, we're serious. This was definitely... They're very, yeah, they're very silly, but, you know, Too Bad is one of my favorites, so it's always nice to see him. And I just, yeah. I love that scene because you get these, like, non-top-tier villains, right? Or not, you know, they're not even, like, second-string. They're more, like, third-string villains all working together. Um, so it's, yeah, yeah, and, 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 you know, even, like, the color palette of them is just, you know, really cool to see all together, especially mm-hmm. when he... <laughs> when they kind of mess everything up, when they try to they try to take this guy's spy, and they mess it up, and because uh, you know He Man intervenes and breaks the ship and with Shira, and it it sets the autopilot to take them back to Snake Mountain, and they can't control it otherwise. And so Skeletor tosses them a parachute. He tosses it to Spikor, and he's like, oh. "I don't need a parachute. We're flying back." Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> You have to say it right because that's my favorite line oh, out of the whole right. thing. Here, I'm gonna do it. This is Spikor. <laughs> I don't need a parachute. <laughs> His voice makes no, no sense. No, it doesn't. Yeah. They're getting away. What are you doing, Rattler? What? Then take this. I don't need a parachute. That's what you think. Yeah. Uh, And so he tosses them the parachute, and then, what does he say? Skeletor says something. And then he... I only cared about Yeah, Spikor. it shows I'm the ship from the outside where he ejects them and the four of them go flying with one parachute. And then you it's get this so great scene where it like pans up from Webstore's leg, clinging on to, I think, Ratlore, and then clinging yep. on to, um, who was the next one? Too bad. Too bad. And then clinging on to Spikor, who has the parachute. Yeah. It's just a fun scene. Yep. It's totally a fun scene because, well, He-Man... Well, so first off, Prince Adam transforms into He-Man, which is always a great scene no matter what. And um, he transforms into He-Man and he gets up on the ship by... This is what annoyed me. All right. He's flying a vehicle called the laser bolt, which as it was a toy that would already come out. That toy drove on the ground. It had no rocket propulsion. And I remember lots of He-Man fans saying, so it It looks uh, like a motorcycle. It has tires. I had the same thought. I was like, why is this? Uh, I was, because at first I was like, why is the road up? And I was like, no, the road, that's not it. That's the other, the red one, the, um, laser bolt because I, I didn't have that one so I always and they look so similar and mm-hmm. and if, especially if it were going to be the road ripper I'm like why is it zooming through the air but then even the laser bolt it did not make sense to me with the tires and it looked like I, a motorcycle without any sort of wings or blades or helicopter parts to fly it's just zooming through the air it made no yeah. sense yeah it made no sense I was so annoyed so anyway he gets up on the ship and then he Cuts off the collector's claws, which is funny. And then he gets caught in these, like, lazy, like I don't know what the hell they are. They're, like, seatbelts, yeah, basically, were, that shoot oh, out. They? I love those. They were called, like, um, so, yeah, something belts. Yeah, they were some kind of belts. And he can't get out. And then 
Shira shows up on her flying Pegasus uh, unicorn, Swiftwind, and frees her brother because Shira is the secret identity of Adora, uh, his sister. And then they punch a hole into the collector, and then that's what uh, sends them back to Snake Mountain. Meanwhile, though, Orko tries a spell. And if you've never seen the cartoon, Orko's magic never works, <laughs> ever. And he tries a spell, and he ends up making the sky spy go faster and fly into space. And then He-Man and She-Ra both fly into space. And I love them both. But neither of them needed a helmet or a suit or anything to breathe in <laughs> space. Neither did the flying unicorn Pegasus Swiftwind. Everybody's just breathing like there's oxygen up there. And I found that yeah, a little weird. Yeah, there's no like ionosphere or stratosphere. It's just all breathable air. <laughs> must be a small planet. It must be. I don't know. But whatever. I mean, we do have to suspend some disbelief, I guess. But suspend some belief, whatever. Um, <clears throat> now, nobody still knows that Orko's in the Sky Spy. They just thought that the thing took off on its own. And then Orko finds a planet and crash lands on it, and we realize that it's Earth. And he hears some kids screaming help, and he rushes over to save two children who are out getting a Christmas tree with no adult supervision, and a damn avalanche is happening. Their name is Miguel. <laughs> Miguel. Yeah, where are your parents? This is where the Christmas special takes a little turn and you realize that it's really just a tale about how um, Orko once abducted two children from Earth to teach, <laughs> to, not to teach them a lesson, but to learn about Christmas and, um, and to bring the Christmas spirit to Eternia. So we, we, it has a, yeah, it has a little downswing for a little bit of like the uplifting Christmas part, but it all comes back. It does. Well, so they're telling him they're out trying to find a Christmas tree, and Orko's like, what is Christmas? What's a Christmas Rather tree? Rather than, yeah. And they're like, the question's not, um, yeah. where are your terrible parents? It's, what is Christmas? <laughs> right? I'm going to skip past the fact that you're both probably, what, maybe, I'm going to go with 11, 12, and yeah. 8 or 9, probably. You're out, chop. first of all, they chopped down that tree, alright? That tree was clearly chopped. So you're telling me you let the kid go out with an axe or a saw, cut down a live tree by themselves. You're the worst parents in the world. We're going to come back to their parents <laughs> later, by the way, because I have a lot to say yeah. about mom and dad. Um, so the kids explain what Christmas is throughout a couple of little cutscenes, and they even, which I was surprised, they even brought in some of the religious aspects about Christmas. And they faded out on it, but they definitely started talking about the three wise men, and uh, which I thought was very interesting that on a kid's show, that this mainstream, that they would have brought the religious aspect into it. Because clearly Marlena didn't when she was raising the, the prince and prince, uh, the yeah. prince and with Randor. So it was kind of interesting to me to see that they took on that whole religious aspect. And then they also teach him about Santa Claus and... Uh, Jingle bells, or as Orko calls it, jingles bells. <laughs> yeah, I love how like the little girl messed it up too, and then she was like, "No, no, it's jingle bells." You said you were looking 
for a, a Christmas tree? What's that? First of all, it's a Christmas. No, I mean, it's not a Christmas tree. It's a Christmas tree. And it's to celebrate Christmas. Oh, what's Christmas? Everybody knows what Christmas is. I don't. When you get lots of presents. Presents? <laughs> I think I like Christmas. Well, presents are part of it. But it's also a time when everybody thinks about peace and goodwill toward men. That's what the angel said. Angel? Now I'm really getting confused. No, it's not confusing. Not at all. Listen, if you really don't know about Christmas, we'll tell you the whole story. A long, long time ago, three wise men followed the star until they finally reached Bethlehem. Ah, uh, what a beautiful story. But what about the gifts? You said there were gifts at Christmas. That's the fun part. Let's tell them about Santa Claus. <laughs> I'll tell them. hitches up his reindeer and flies all over the world bringing presents to boys and girls. Presents? I, I think I like this Santa. Can I meet him? Oh, no. He only brings presents when you're asleep. When you're asleep? Well, just as long as he brings them. Hey, tell me about Tingle's Bell. You mean Jingle's Bell. I mean Jingle Bells. <laughs> During this time is when the, re uh, when the queen... Who she gets a big chunk of dialogue, which is surprising for Queen Marlena because during most of the cartoons run, she was just kind of a, a very F list character. She was there to say hi or whatever every now and then. And um, she got her own episode or two every now and then, but really she was kind of a background character. But she was kind of in this one, which is good. Um, she realizes that Orko's the one that took the Sky Spy because they found his magic book outside of the launch pad. Why the Queen was by the launch pad, I don't know, but whatever. I know, and you know, I don't know why I noticed this, but when she when she was about to say the word launch pad, when she was like, when they were saying, um, you know, what uh, what did they what did they say they found that was Orko? Uh, the magic spell book. Book, yeah. So when she was about to say where it was, I was like, I hope she says the word launch pad. I don't know why I thought that, but then she says the word launch pad, and it always just sounds weird to me because yeah, I'm like, why is she out at the launch pad? It is. It's it's just, but I like it because she, I, I think this is after the show had kind of stopped a little bit, the regular He-Man show, and they were focusing on She-Ra. I think they started to develop the queen character to be a little bit more of a person in charge, right? She took on more of a, like, I'm a leader here too. Randor. <laughs> I'm going to do something. I will have my Christmas. <laughs> so they pull up the coordinates of where Orko is located and instantly Marlena realizes they're her home planet's coordinates. And she's like, Oh my gosh, those are earth coordinates. And they're like, well, how did, how do we get Orko back from earth? And man at arms thinks about it. And he was like, well, we can, we can basically, I don't know, beam him back. I don't know what the term they used, transport him. It, basically they're going to beam him just like up on the star, the star treks. So, um, but he says, now this is what blows my mind. He was like, yeah, I can do it, but I need a water crystal, but there's none on our planet. I know, I'm like, how do you know that's what you need and they don't exist on Eternia? Well, I had that same thought. I'm like... Um, well, first of all, why did you build a machine right. that runs on something that you don't have? Right. And how do you even know it exists? <laughs> how did you know that that was what you needed? It was like, and how... And, and like all these like 18 years or longer 
has Marlena never tried to get back to Earth just to say hey to some That's what friends? I was thinking, too. Did you just say, oh, they think I'm dead. We'll go ahead and keep it that way. Yeah, maybe go home for Christmas since no one celebrates it on Eternia. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, if you knew the coordinates. So then uh, Princess Adora, a.k.a. She-Ra, says, oh, I bet we have one on my planet of Etheria. And then she name drops one of my favorite characters, Mermista. Who's a mermaid because it's a water person. Yeah, and she's very French, like a very French mermaid. Yeah. Isn't that bizarre that they gave a mermaid a French accent? Yeah, but I kind of love Me it. Too. It fits somehow. I don't even know why, but it does. I just love Mermista. So we flash over to Etheria where Princess Adora is, or now She-Ra, telling uh, Mermista about the crystal and what they need. And then Mermista says, well, listen, I'm not going to do an offensive French accent she says now listen <laughs> i know where one is but we have to face and this is my note we have to face a monster and my note says it has the best generic creature villain name ever they have to fight <laughs> the beast monster <laughs> she's like i thought the beast monster was just a legend, a legend. <laughs> i didn't think they existed no the beast monster is real it's real so now, let's pause for a second. When you hear the term beast monster, what do you think of? I think of like a giant gorilla or maybe even like a a lion or just like some big like hulking beast with like fire, maybe even a dragon, right? Is that Yeah, is that the well But I was also confused cuz she's like you have to get the beast monster out of the pool long enough for me to get the water crystals so i'm also picturing like well there's gonna be it's gotta like it's you know it lives in the water or it guards water right so then you basically end up with this weird like dragon underwater loch ness monster kind of thing. yeah i called it a water snake <laughs> that roars yeah, like a dragon when, yeah when i was kind of making notes i forgot about it being called beast monster and i was like okay this show has a sea monster like yeah it's there's not a whole lot of beast to it. It's more just sea monster. And then, okay, so she fights the snake while Marmista gets the crystal. And then, I forget what she does, but she beats the, the beast monster thing. And then Marmista gives her the crystal. And then somehow, she she's starting to walk or something, and they realize that they're in a bad place, which if you've never seen She-Ra, Princess of Power, um, her planet is overrun by an evil group called the horde and there's a lot of like really dis- desolate and bad places to be there's also some really beautiful places but she's in one of the bad places and these things show up these robots called the monstroids show up and stop Shira by putting her and her horse uh into a force field and um <laughs> i love everything about you man it's I mean, epic. again, like with the naming, like when you think of monstroids, what are you picturing? A monster because... robot, like it's got like like a lot of te- uh, like a a lot of tech, but it's still a monster. Like it's still an actual uh, living, breathing animal, basically. Yeah, and this was basically just these are basically big, shiny silver robots. Yep. And as I put in my notes, they change shapes. Basically, this was an attempt to steal from Transformers. 
And even <laughs> even when Swiftwind is questioning She-Ra, the horse, he's like, they're changing into other forms. What evil <laughs> robots. <laughs> yeah, it's like descriptive text for what's going on, just, you know, in case. But... In case you're in the other room and you can't see what's going on on the special. So, but they changed into really lame shapes. One turned yeah, into they're not a rocket, good at it. a tank, and the other one just literally goes flat. Like, it just puts its arms out and its legs <laughs> out, and it's like, I'm flying! That's, yeah, that one that just, like, gets down on all fours and just sits yeah. there. It's so dumb. <laughs> and it's like, that's, that's not even like a defensive pose. No, just no. I'm just so disappointed in the Monstroids because there was a toy that was created for the line called Monstroid. And it was this giant robotic crab thing that you put the, you put good guys in its claws and then you wind it up and it would spin them around, I guess, to make them dizzy. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. But it was a cool toy. This had nothing to do with it. Like, I, I don't know. I'm very confused. I feel like there was probably somebody dropped the ball in communication between Mattel, who made the toys, and Filmation, who created the cartoon. And there was a disconnect somewhere in the middle about what was actually happening. That's just... Yeah, kind of like, kind of like what happens with the laser bolt mm -hmm. and its design and its abilities in the cartoon. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so She-Ra escapes because her sword is amazing and it transforms into whatever the hell she says out loud. Um, this time she says sword to flame and she cuts herself out of a force field, which who knew that fire melted force fields because I didn't. Yeah, I know. I was surprised at that too, but I was like, wow, you're so resourceful, Sheila. <laughs> and then we flash back to Eternia and Man-at-Arms finally has this crystal that doesn't exist on his planet. And... He's like, now only if Orko remembers what to do. I hope he remembers I told him to stand in the light. And then it, <laughs> it flashes to Orko and all of a sudden this beam of white light shows up. And Orko literally goes, what was it Man-at-Arms said? <laughs> stand in the light. And the kids are like, I'm scared. <laughs> but they go ahead and stand in the light. <laughs> And this is where he abducts the children. And instead of leaving them on Earth, they get transported back to Eternia. Yeah, don't you think Orko would have been like, hey, get out? <laughs> yeah, hey, you're in my sky spy. I gotta run. But it was cool hearing about Christmas. Uh, good luck finding your parents. Now, here's another part that bothered me, though. Right? So they stand in this beam, which to me means anything that's standing in the beam would be brought back, right? But no, right. it brings back the entire ship and their Christmas tree on a sled that was sitting right outside the ship. <laughs> yeah, so they really just could have stayed where they were because they were already in the ship anyway. So I don't know why he needed specific instructions of standing in the beam. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. 
And oh, Adam has the greatest line. There he is. No, there they are. <laughs> I know. I love that and the look on his face. So the next thing, the camera pans to an asteroid where Horde Prime lives, which I never realized he lived on an asteroid. Me neither. And I also just kind of forgot, I guess, that he's gigantic. Mm -hmm. Like many stories tall. Yeah, he's a big... uh, He's he's like a skyscraper compared to people. It's very... um, yeah, there's like a platform for people to come up higher to his face level to talk to him, like a like a like a rocket launch pad has when you're trying to board it. And he's always covered in smoke, so you can kind of see yeah. what he looks like, but not see what he looks like. Yeah, it's weird because it doesn't look like he has much form. Like you know, he has arms because he pounds his fist and stuff. Yeah, you see like a very mechanical fist, and you kind of see somewhat of a hordak shaped face. Mm-hmm going on behind the smoke, but they're very mysterious about him. And so he's basically just chilling on his asteroid and he starts to, to feel a new spirit of giving or something coming to the planet uh, and to this galaxy, basically. And he doesn't like it. He doesn't want it. It's basically the Christmas spirit. And he sends for Skeletor and then She-Ra's main enemy, Hordak, he sends for them to come to him. I forget that Skeletor and Horde Prime know each other because it, it was never really referenced. It's just assumed because Skeletor worked for Hordak when Princess Adora was kidnapped when she was a baby. Which, if you don't watch the show, there's a throwaway line later on that connects the dots as to who Hordak is. But it's so... I don't know. It, it took a lot of assumptions, but I guess... When you're making the show, you're making it with the with the idea that kids have watched the cartoon, so they know who these characters are. But if I was coming into this first time, I would not know what, what Horde Prime is and why do I care. Yeah, and I guess that's part of, like, you know, they why they make him so big and everything and how he summons them. And when they come, um, I, I like what he says because the quote, it's, you know, loosely what the quote is, he... He talks about, like, I think he calls it the spirit of Christmas arriving on Eternia. And and he says that it's threatening the Horde's power because it we don't need any more goodwill and brotherhood on Eternia. Mm, you're right, yeah. I like that. I like how they, I was like, he didn't hear the spirit of, or the Christmas story. How does he know about Christmas when even Randor doesn't, you know? So I it's feel interesting. Like- do you think maybe the queen talks to Randor, but he just doesn't listen? Yeah, that's probably a big part of it. She's like, <laughs> uh, I told you about Christmas every year for the past 18 years. <laughs> Where's my present? <laughs> um, then we flash back to Eternia. There's a lot of flashing that happens in this show. There's a lot of like yeah. short scenes. They keep it moving. They do, and I guess that's probably so they can keep kids focused, maybe. So um, Queen Marlena decides, talking with the kids, with Alicia and Miguel, that they'll combine a Christmas party and the twins' birthday because they hope to get them back to Earth before Christmas. And yeah, then, and oh, you know what I, what I got from this conversation that I found really interesting? I was trying to piece together when their birthday actually is, and I was paying really close attention to how they say it because 
you know, she asked Man at Arms, you know, can we get them back by Christmas? And he's like, I don't know. We need a few days for the water crystal to recharge, right? And then she's like, well, Christmas isn't for several more days, but the twins' birthday's tomorrow. So I'm sitting there trying to figure out because, like, what their sign is. <laughs> like, I don't know why my mind went to astrology, but, you know, like, are they Sagittarius or are they Capricorn? Because <laughs> Capricorns start on the 22nd, but it's still several more days, and several's more than three. I always mean, I always took several to mean four. Four or more. See, because it's like a couple is two, two no, and then is three. Several to okay, four. So then it's probably at least the twenty first, which I think we can safely say they're Sagittarians on the cusp of Capricorn. Yeah, they're very much on the cusp. They're right there, but you know, I'm like, well, how many time, How long do they have these kids? Because you never really see the kids change clothes, it's much true. less anyone else on the show. Right? But, nobody yeah. ever changed clothes. They all had it's cool, though. But I thought that was interesting because I was like, oh. I like that you looked for the astrological <laughs> reasonings. Yeah, it kind of, yeah. Now I kind of want to like do a, you know, I'm not really astrological in nature when it comes to that. <laughs> I pay attention to it. I'm not going to chart them or anything. I feel but, like you're going to chart them. Yeah, I feel like I might make a sad attempt at it. <laughs> um, I may just want to like look up a Sagittarian and see like what are the qualities and how does that relate to He-Man and Adora? Or I, I I don't want to spoil anything, my friend, but I feel like <laughs> their astrological side and their character development on the show is not going to equal out to be the same. Yeah, we'll see. Okay. I guess you know what you're getting for Christmas 2022. <laughs> Or 2021. I'll speed it up a little bit and give it to you in a year rather than in two. Well, you never know. It could take two years. So, <laughs> it might. Then we do another flashback to the Horde Prime's asteroid. And now Skeletor and Hordak are being summoned. And Horde Prime's like, I need you to stop the spirit of, of Christmas. And um, I have, this is one of my favorite quotes again. Anytime Skeletor and Hordak fight, it's always funny because they just throw insults at each other. And I don't know what who says Skeletor says something and Hordak says something back about you can't handle He-Man and Skeletor's line is like you can't even handle that muscle-bound female She-Ra and I was like wow wow massage yeah. okay wow. all right Rude. again with Rude. the patriarchy yep every time <laughs> every time and then so they both decide that they can do it, right? And they're going to go off and do it on their own. And then um, <laughs> all of a sudden we flash again back to Eternia where the kids, Orko, and a koala owl named Cowl is, is there. And then two other characters from She-Ra, which are Bo, uh, the only real male person in She-Ra's team, and then... Uh, Perfuma. Uh, there's so much to say about this one scene. I know. Like, this actually probably is my favorite scene, and partly because it just really drives home the fact that it's a Christmas special. Because you have, you know, the kids hanging out with Perfuma, and she's like, you know, she tries to, I'm not even going to try to do the voice, but she's got a really crazy voice. Hold on, I want to see if I can do it. Springtime! <laughs> yes, exactly. 
Oh, make it look like springtime. Right. <laughs> so she like basically sings everything she says, but for some reason she thinks, oh, I'll just plant flowers everywhere on this snowy landscape and they'll be brightly colored and everything. And they're like, no, it happens during Christmas in the winter. Your know, Christmas happens in the winter. So then she fixes it. And instead you see poinsettias everywhere on like mm-hmm. the snowy landscape. It is really a pretty scene. It is. And then it just, it's, I mean, it's just a few minutes of gold really, because, you know, Bo looks around and he's like, oh, this is the perfect time for me to sing my new Christmas song. So So you get him playing, what is it? What does he have? Like a ukulele or what what is he? I don't know. He's got multiple instruments. He's supposed to be a a minstrel or a bard. He's a bard. So he's got his instrument and he starts playing, you know, this, song with all these lyrics which these two children even though it's a brand new song happen to know all the lyrics and all sing the, lyrics. the song and orko and cow meanwhile are executing a perfectly choreographed dance routine <laughs> and it's just christmas magic in the air it's do it's you, just do you a like this song? i do it's uh, silly but it's cute you don't like it i, don't. <laughs> I have it's never not- liked it it's not up there with, um, you know, all I want for Christmas is you. Exactly, it's not going to get a lot of radio airplay, but no, um, it, it it's a cute really little attempt. It's called, I think, it's called love and sharing or love and caring, and I'm gonna. It's very values focused. It is. It is something. Don't worry. <laughs> you'll you'll hear it. Um, <laughs> the right setting for my new Christmas song. Let's try it. So anyway, <laughs> then all of a sudden, uh, this is my note. All right. I'm going to read to you what I wrote. Hordak arrives. So Hordak arrives on Eternia and nobody is aware, which just blows my mind in general. A Hordak arrives on Eternia with his lackeys, Katra, who talks like a cat, which is one of my favorites. And then he also has Modulok, who is a, uh, a, uh, an actual, like a, it was a human being that turned himself into a monster and he can uh, take his body apart and change into shapes. And then he created a robot version that could do the same thing. And that robot version makes its first appearance and it's called Multibot. And they're on a helicopter, but I don't call it that. I literally wrote, it looks like a dick. So it's a dick copter. <laughs> and I think that should be the name. So the dick copter shows up <laughs> Freezes, uh, Bo, and Perfuma. We don't see what happens to Cowl or Orko, but we're assuming that they got frozen too. And then um, he kidnaps the two kids. And then... And Orko, right? Oh, I'm sorry. And Orko. I apologize. Yeah. You're right. And Orko. And then they take them back to Etheria, which this is another planet. And it's supposedly not anywhere near Eternia, so I guess they just opened a gateway and 
zipped on through. Yeah, they don't need a water crystal for that. They just need no. But then, when they're flying over, they actually fly over the same area that the monstroids were. And my favorite scene <laughs> that I can't show because it's visual is when the the big monstroid just reaches up and grabs <laughs> the dick copter. And I love it, too. and that is when it looks like a penis. Right, and it's crazy because you're trying to get an idea of scale here of like how big a monstroid is because they're definitely bigger than humans. Like they're like. They're like a couple stories tall, probably. Yeah. Right? Um, but yeah, it just reaches up and grabs what's like with its arm that's apparently hundreds of feet telescoping <laughs> oh, with oh. this giant hand that fully grabs all the way around the dick copter. <laughs> and it just pulls it out of the sky. It's nice. But yeah, I think they're actually in the fright zone, right? Didn't they actually- well, that's what I thought, but no, they're still in like monstroid territory. Oh, so they're I not actually it. in the fright zone. I thought that they referred to it as the fright zone, and that that the mon- like I assumed the monstroids were in a part of the fright zone, even though it wasn't like the part where Hordax Lair is. Yeah, I don't know. I I because I went back and tried to rewind it to here, but I don't think they ever mentioned the fright zone. They may have earlier on, and I just didn't catch it. But to me, it looks like the fright zone, but they never say the fright zone. Okay. So, uh, which, by the way, everyone, the fright zone is where Hordak lives. Um, so they then said it later they, when they were saying, "Oh, our friends are trapped." Oh, did when, did Peekaboo? When say they it, talk maybe? about, yeah, I think maybe Peekaboo said it, and then she says the Manchines are on their way there to save them. Mm. So I guess I'll have to watch it a third time this season. <laughs> <laughs> So the Monstroids tell Hordak to leave and to keep the kids with him, with them, because they want to fight Horde Prime. We don't know why, but to me, I was just thinking, I wonder if Horde Prime and the Monstroids are like almost the same species, maybe, because they're about the same size. If you think about it, they look almost the same size, so maybe they're from the same species. Yeah, I could see that. I hadn't thought about that. Or from the same original place or whatever. So anyway... We go back to, to, I I guess we're still on, I'm not sure where we are. (laughs) I don't know if we're still in Eternia or if we went back to Etheria. I'm so lost. Honestly, I don't remember. Because all of a sudden we see Peekaboo sitting in her chair. And Peekaboo is a woman who has peacock feathers attached to her back. That's the best way I can. I mean, that's pretty accurate. Describe her. And so um, you were talking about this is one of your favorite scenes. Yeah, just because they ask her, you know, to help locate them. And she does this weird, like, like where each one of the eyes on the back of her feathers, they, they flay out and then they light up in turn. And then they do like this light up sequence back toward the middle. And she's like, boom, this is where they are. And the man chains are going to help them, I think. Right. Yep. And then she relieved to go help. And then they we pass over back to Etheria, I guess, wherever we're at, in the fright zone or wherever. And the kids in Orko are in a cell. And all of a sudden, this little guy in pink shows up. And he's like, I'm a man, she. <laughs> Sadly, a little tragically, his name is Cutter. Cutter. <laughs> um, which probably wouldn't have been his name had this been filmed 20 years later. <laughs> Correct. 
Also, they never they never made the manchines into toys, but I'm real mad about it because I, I would have bought every single one of those things. I know they're so cute too because when you get to see more of them, they each have this little gimmick. Like they look like people, but they've got like a little machine gimmick. Like, yeah, one of so, them. So like cutter cuts. Yeah, he's got like and, little claws, and then there's yep. one that looks like kind of the backside of a hammer for yep. a head. Yep. Um, there's one. That, there was like a tape measure one. Yeah, and there's <laughs> or one like, that, like the bottom of it, like oh yeah, the tape measure one because they grab like the the one that has like little like propellers for legs or something, kind of mm-hmm. like a drill maybe. Yeah. Grabs the tape measure to go trip a machine to fall over. Yep. And it's again, you know, moments like this where there is no appreciation for scale in this cartoon because None. they somebody pushes a monstroid over. Now, keeping in mind these things are the size of a building. <laughs> and they intentionally push it over on the little man Sheen who's about the size of a large dog. Yep. And he's got the head that's like the butt of the hammer, like the blunt part yep. of the hammer. And it la- rather than just landing on him and squishing him, this building-sized monster lands on him and flies to pieces because because he hits it with his hammer. Because head. he and he doesn't even put any force into it. He leans into it nope. a little bit. He just he's like, oh, this is my daily. This is what I do for work. Yeah, and the mon- I'm working on the weekend now. Yeah, the monsters are a little fragile because even Shira at one point points her sword at it and shoots a beam of light. Or energy, yep. and it just falls to pieces. Yep. Um, the Manchines also bring out their other Manchine. His name is Zipper, and I love Zipper. He's one of my favorites yeah. uh, because everything he says has a Z in it somewhere. Like I'm Zipper. <laughs> I was zipping around the corner. Like, <laughs> and they ride him. <laughs> yeah, he's great. He's very. Useful. He holds two children. The Manchine Cutter. And then they also find the cutest character that was never really made into a toy back then, ever. But it's a puppy. It's a Manchine puppy. So it's a dog that's got some machinery onto it. And the dog's name is Relay. And he flies around because his tail is a little propeller. Yeah. And he's the cutest thing ever. He's the true star of the Christmas special. He really is. He is. He's so cute. It's why crazy. they didn't make plush relay toys when we were kids, I have no idea. Um, why, Those things would have flown off the shelf. More importantly, why you did not remind me that I should have named my dog Ripley Relay when I got her, it's beyond. I, I, you chose names before I got to really give my feedback, I think. Oh, maybe that's the case. <laughs> Next time. Um, anyway, he and she were show up. They start fighting the monstroids. Um, there's a big battle that we were just talking about. And then... Meanwhile, Skeletor is now on Etheria, and he's watching from above, and he kidnaps the kids and relay the dog, but leaves Orko. And so he starts to fly off, and then Hordak is watching Skeletor watch the kids. So then Hordak shoots Skeletor as Skeletor shoots Hordak, and Skeletor and the kids and the dog crash into the snow. And then this is where my favorite part of the whole show starts to come together. (laughs) This is mine. Yeah, you know, you're right. It it really sets off a chain of events. It's just amazing, and it's one of my favorite parts, too. Um, It was reminding me a little bit of uh, Gem and the Holograms, because when you watch Gem these days, you're like, oh, my God, like the Misfits put them in mortal danger every episode. 
like trying to push their car off a cliff danger. Yeah. And in this case, you have Hordak following Skeletor in the Sky Sled. The two kids are on the back of like an extended version of the Sky Sled. So it's like a limo version because they somehow all fit on there. But they're not wearing seatbelts, of course. They're it's just dangerous. And then Hordak shoots at it, like and and hits it like an inch away from the children. I'm like, are you trying to kill the children? And then they have to crash land, right? And then and then you learn that these sky sleds have a little gun that comes out of the sea, which was kind of neat because it's shot back. Yep. Yep. Um, but yeah, they crash land basically into a snowy mountain, but they are all without a scratch. It's a miracle. Yeah, nobody gets hurt. So it's too cold for the kids and Relay, <laughs> and they're like, Skeletor, we can't get go, like, we can't move. It's too cold. And he's like, Get moving. And he's really mean to them. And then um, eventually, uh, Alicia, the girl, passes out <laughs> in the snow. It's my favorite. She just passes out, like, it's I guess the from most, the cold. It's the most dramatic part, because she says, <laughs> but it's the season of love and caring, and then she just flops over in the snow and passes out. <laughs> and then you have, like, Miguel's like, oh, Alicia, or, you know, asking, make, making sure she's okay, and then Skeletor starts talking, and the kid's, like, shivering, right? And then it's, you know, the miracle of the spirit of Christmas, because Skeletor starts you start seeing him grow a little bit of a conscience right and he uses his magic to just put jackets like coats on them and the second that coat hits alicia's body she stands up and she's like i'm warm again <laughs> like hey i thought you were dead you know but it's just it's wonderfully dramatic the kid's just such a little drama queen the way she just passes out i laugh every time every time so then they're like, oh, thank you, Mr. They call him Mr. Skeletor. <laughs> yeah, they keep calling him Mr. over and over. At that and when he gives them the jackets or the coats, he's like, thank you, Mr. Skeletor. Yeah, he's like, he's like, one of them says, thank you, Mr. Skeletor. You are too, you are very kind. It's like, kind? Never use that word around me. <laughs> I love it. Um, so then he's like, all right, let's get moving. And then Relay is so small that he keeps getting stuck in the snow. <laughs> and there, he's like, uh, Alicia's like, wait, I forgot. Let me go grab Relay. And Skeletor's like, no, we have to go. And he like yells at her to leave the dog. And this, this is the moment that you start to see Skeletor's heart melt because that dog starts whining. And if you've ever been near a hurt dog or a dog that just needs love and you hear that little whine, I don't know whose dog they got to whine for Relay, but it was amazing. <laughs> so, you're cold! Oh, blast it! Oh, I'm, I'm warm again! Thank you, Mr. Skeletor. You are very kind. Kind? Never use that word around me. Now, get moving.
So eventually Skeletor goes and picks Relay up to carry him. <laughs> and he's like, I don't know what's coming over me, but I don't like it. And then like poor Alicia's like, oh, I'll carry him. He's like, no. <laughs> and he like, yeah, he won't let no. her have the dog. And the dog keeps like trying to lick his face. He starts licking his face because Skeletor's got a bone face. Why wouldn't the dog <laughs> try to lick his face? And then Alicia, I think she says, that was really nice of you to, to you know, rescue Relay. And he's like, I am not nice. <laughs> yeah, it's like that. it's the quote. It's the quote of the show. It is. It's the and quote of the you show. have, like, in the last, in the mystery box that I sent you, didn't I send you a pen, a pen of Skeletor that says, I am not nice? You did. It says, I am not nice. Yeah. His exact quote, because it's one of my favorites, is, I am not nice. I am not kind, and I am not wonderful. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Skeletor. You saved us. You really are wonderful. Listen, I am not nice, I am not kind, and I am not wonderful. And I'm still delivering you to Horde Prime. Yeah, he says it twice, because the first time, you just get that I am not nice, and then later she says it again, and he's like, yeah, I'm not nice, I am not kind, and I am not wonderful, and I'm still taking you to Horde Prime. <laughs> right. And then he's like, tell me more about this Christmas. And he's, they're like, oh, well, you know, it's a time to have fun. And Skeletor's like, people get into fights? He's like, what's wrong with fights? I like fights. I like I fights. Like fights. <laughs> and then they go, no, no, and you give each other presidents. He goes, and when you open them, they explode? <laughs> or they blow up? <laughs> I know, it's kind of like Jack Skellington figuring out Christmas and explaining it at the town hall. It's so good. It's so good. It's my favorite scene. I could just sit there and watch that on repeat and still laugh every time. No, it reminds me, Um, you remember the episode from the 2000X cartoon where it's it's called Turnabout, where they shoot that harness thing on him that makes him act nice because if he says anything, it shocks him. And he's like, hello, Evil Lynn. Did you do something with your hair? And he's like, sitting here or something. I love when they like try to force him to be nice. It's amazing. Um, oh, well, yeah. No, no. I was just thinking Skeletor has to save the kids from a snow beast, which is uh, like a, uh, a polar bear creature thing, which makes sense. And um, he does this weird Skeletor smile when they thank him. <laughs> like we see Skeletor smile awkwardly. And it's a really creepy smile from a skeleton. Yeah. It's really creepy. Um, so as they're walking, then all of a sudden He-Man and She-Ra show up, as does Hordak, and Horde Prime is slowly coming in on screen too. And there's a there's a battle between Hordak and He-Man and She-Ra. And then while that's happening, Horde Prime is trying to kidnap the kids. And I forget what happens. I think I think Skeletor shoots a beam at Hordak. Hordak blocks it and hits Skeletor with his own magic blast, and it knocks him out. Right? I think that's yeah. what happened. And then Relay is trying to wake Skeletor up and just stays with him and licks his face, which is just the cutest thing in the entire world. Hmm. And then um, Horde Prime, his ship lowers this, like, claw thing that's actually pretty terrifying because I feel like if that actually grabbed a human it would crush them oh, to yeah. death it yeah, doesn't do that. right 
So Orko goes to protect the kids and they get caught in this beam. Th- they get caught in this thing and Skeletor wakes up and realizes he has to actually save the kids. And so he shoots a beam again at the claw thing and it burns up and it crashes Horror Prime's ship. And then He-Man and She-Ra finish battling Hordak. I guess Hordak leaves. I don't remember what happens to him. But then they take um, Horde Prime's ship, the two of them, which makes no sense because if he's on the ship, it should be the size of a planet. <laughs> but whatever. Right. Um, they pick up his ship together and toss it back into space. Which and really then, oh, go ahead. it's a spaceship, so... Yeah, I, it's a spaceship <laughs> that it's, again the space the concept of space and the concept of just how tall things are and all that it doesn't make any sense. But whatever. So then we get to what I think is one of the greatest lines of the whole show when we were talking about it is <laughs> the kids run over and they're like, Thank you, Mr. Skeletor! You saved us. <laughs> and He-Man goes he saved you. <laughs> so good. That'll take care of Horde Prime for a while. Skeletor, 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 Skeletor's like, I, I guess I did. I don't know. I don't know what's coming over me. <laughs> or conflicted Skeletor. And then E-Man says something cheesy like, well, don't, uh, you know, you're you're getting the, the Christmas spirit. It makes you feel good. And Skeletor says, I don't like to feel good. I like to feel evil. Well, I think you're feeling the Christmas spirit, Skeletor. It makes you feel... Well, I don't like to feel good. I like to feel evil. Oh, don't worry, Skeletor. Christmas only comes once a year. Ah, thank goodness. <laughs> uh, and then He-Man says, well, Christmas only comes once a year. We don't know what happens after that, because then again, we flash back to Eternia, and Prince Adam is dressed up like Santa, and... Uh, Peter knows that this is the one action figure I've always wanted in my entire wow. life is Prince Adam dressed up like Santa. Two, apparently. Because, you know, Chef Allen also, which well, yes, I'm kind of sad Chef. that we don't get to see Chef Allen. Yeah, he wasn't no. in it. Which is surprising. <laughs> because, so, it pans back to another party scene, and this time, there's even more characters. Yeah. Like, it's even a bigger list. And I, as I was watching it this time around, I kept thinking, I was like, this is like the Marvel Cinematic Universe's, uh, <laughs> like... <laughs> it's the Infinity and, War. Yeah, it's the Infinity War, because it's like <laughs> everybody on the good side has come together to celebrate. Yeah. Like, characters that nobody even likes, like Yuckers is in it. Do you remember oh, Yuckers? Of course I, I like Yuckers. I'm sad we don't have a Yuckers <laughs> figure, but we get to see uh, Yuckers. Yeah, that was nice. There are some good um there's some good sightings in that in that scene. Yeah, it's it's really good. It's really good. So Prince Adam dresses up like uh, Santa and gives the kids 
uh, flying belt. Like, it's a belt they put on and it makes Which them Which is not a responsible toy to give children from Earth. I agree! But, nobody nobody raises children appropriately. But that may just be me being jealous, because I would love a flying belt. No, no. No, I think you're right. <laughs> um, then they tell them bye, and they send the kids back home. And then, somehow Man-at-Arms has a camera <laughs> hidden in the parents' house. like a nanny cam in their house. <laughs> I'm like, wow. He's like, spying on them. And then, they're the oddest looking couple of parents I've ever seen in my life. The dad basically like, looks like the human version from the Super Mario Brothers movie of Mario. Yeah. Like, just in normal clothes. I always pictured them as, as if, if, you remember that, that nursery rhyme, the dish ran away with the spoon? Yeah. In my opinion, it's like the dish and the spoon became human. <laughs> and like, because he's a very large man and she's a very tall very slender woman and they're like all they say to them all they say is oh we're glad you're okay children we've been really worried about it's been several days (laughs) (laughs) have you been worried have you really because you sent them out to cut down a tree in the snow and they come back wearing these flying belts and they're like we met Orko and he gave it, they gave us flying belts and they're like, I don't know what those things are, but go to bed. <laughs> yeah. Like they're like, it's time for go to bed. Yeah. Great parenting. They fly past them and we get that cartoon trope of, uh, Oh, that like zoinks look. Yeah, I call it. It's like a coordinated look. zoinks. I love it. It's ridiculous. It's so, t- and then we come back to attorney again and uh, Adora and Adam say Merry Christmas. And then, Orko jumps onto the screen and says, Merry Christmas, everybody, which I love. I think it's cute. And you thought it wasn't going to happen, but it did. Even in the Christmas special, we get a moral at the end of the show. Yeah, it's really cute. Which is a a trademark of He-Man and She-Ra during the 80s, as well as a lot of other kids' shows during the 80s. They all did the, the moral at the end. And in this one, it's Adam and Orko having a conversation about the true meaning of Christmas. And Orko just keeps repeating presents. And then at the end, um, <laughs> Prince Adam's like, what do you want most? And he's like, presents. <laughs> so that's how Christmas first came to Eternia. Not everyone celebrates Christmas, but the spirit of the Christmas season is within us all. It's a season of love and joy and caring. And presents. <laughs> presents are nice, Orko, but Christmas means much more than that. I know, Adam. Christmas is a time of peace and caring and happiness. That's right, Orko. And what would make you happiest this Christmas? Presents. Oh, Orko. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get this really weird animated creepy smile where Prince Adam looks about 50. Yeah. Yeah, which, you're correct. Which always surprises me. But then... Just as magically as the Christmas special began, it ends with this lovely closing credits with new music, right? It's sort of like, Mm -hmm. it's got a little, you know, holiday jingle to it, unlike, um, you know, the typical closing credits of the man. Yeah, I would agree. So we've got, we've answered a couple of questions as we've gone through. You've talked about your favorite scenes and your favorite lines. Yeah. Um, did you notice any gay or hidden gay characters? Because it is female. I mean, besides Prince Adam being throughout the special, of course, mm-hmm. um, I will say my favorite, there's like one part that stands out and it's the best unintentionally gay quote that He-Man says when he's fighting the Monstroids and he 
She-Ra destroys like one of the monstroids, and then he yells, "What works for my sister works for me." <laughs> and, then, and then he picks up a monstroid and throws it. I was like, "Girl, you just told us your whole story." Um, I will always say that Bo is gay. Well, yeah, because I mean, I mean, he's my favorite, and I love Bo. Not that it's not okay for men to have handlebar mustaches and wear hearts on their chest, but they're dead giveaways. And crop tops. <laughs> and crop tops. That's not that. And the <laughs> tightest pants favorite. you can possibly wear. He basically wears like leggings or spanks or something like that. Yeah, he's yeah. It's definitely leggings. But I yeah, love, what I else? Love Bo. What else did you pick out that was kind of? I honestly, the dictopter. Um, yeah, and the way that monstroid grabs it, I was like, "Yeah, it grabbed it like it has grabbed it before." Yeah, it um, fit perfectly. Yeah, uh, I mean, it had it grabbed it right in the right spot. <laughs> yeah, I know. And when you look at it in the hand, like if you pause it, <laughs> it looks really inappropriate. Um, <laughs> so there's that. But really, it was that. I think Orko and Cow's little dance um, was cute yeah. because they were c- creatures. But I think if you had had two male characters doing it, yeah, it would have been taken in a completely different manner. Yeah, I guess. Um, I- even though both Orko and Cowl are uh, identify as male, um, I don't. I think that if it had been like humanoid characters, it would have been different. Yeah. I, you know, it's funny because I didn't even really think about it just because they're both so, I don't know, they're both little like creatures, you know, our kids or what. Yeah. I've been mostly thinking about their genders at that point. Well, we have two final questions okay. whenever we talk about our Christmas specials. On a scale of one to five, with five being the best, uh, how many rainbow candy canes would you give this special? So I'd say, you know, my heart wants to give it just the full five rainbow candy canes and a, and a pink pack of holiday lick-a-made fun dip to dip those candy canes in just because I love it so much. <laughs> um, but if I'm looking at it for like a technical score for like a Christmas special, mm-hmm. I'd say it's like four full candy canes and maybe a partially eaten candy cane for that fifth one. Um, just because, like, when I was watching it, I feel like there are times where they're going a little off book with a lot of side missions, because you've got, you know, sea monsters and evil robots and machine people and all that. But at the same time, like, you know, I feel like it kind of takes you out of the Christmas part of it in parts when you're, like, in these really dark places that are kind of like the Fright Zone and where the monstroids are. But, Mm -hmm. I mean, overall, when you look at it, you know, we've talked about the start and the end of it. It's got these, like, Christmas teachings. It brings it, you know, it brings the teachings, like, into the story over and over. And you've got this great villain who's being touched by the holiday spirit. And, I mean, of course, it even has a song and snow and, you know, for God's sake, Prince Adam dressed as Santa. So it's pretty amazing and, like, could barely be more Christmassy. So I'm in that, like, you know four and a half range when it comes to expectations of a technical Christmas special. But yeah, so that's kind of how I feel about it. But I mean, I love it. Like I, I love to watch it. I would never, I'd so, get tired of watching it because it's just a great, like masters of the universe story combined with, you know, incorporating Christmas into it. I have to say that this is the, I think it's one of the first times I've ever really agreed, but I would totally say four and a half as well. And the reason that I don't give it a full five, um, I agree with everything that you said, everything you said, 
For me, though, to get it a solid five, I would have liked more Christmassy song moments. Uh, even though Bo's song was awful, in my opinion, it still added a little more to the Christmassy feel. Um, and I would have liked a little bit more of that throughout. Like, I think um, the clothing should have changed for everybody. Uh, I think that would have really helped because, you know, it's He-Man. He runs around in his furry underwear. You could have put a parka on him um, during the snow scenes. So, yeah, and why wasn't Zora in anything Christmassy? Like, you get this whole outfit, you know, for Adam where even his hair is white. Yep. You know? Um, yeah, they could have been in a really up. pretty dress. Yeah, yeah they could have like, dressed it up just a little bit more. Yeah, so, uh, and the, the thing that gives it the extra half a candy cane, though, is really Skeletor's whole transformation of feeling that Christmas spirit and saving the kids and really struggling with his identity and being like, I don't feel good. Like, this isn't right. I like to be evil. Um, that's what kind of gives it that extra half candy cane for me. So, Peter, yeah. is this a classic or not so classic special? Do you feel like people should watch this every year or not? I mean, you know, like I said, we're a little bit biased, but there's probably nothing more classic for me than something that combines the nostalgia of He-Man of the Masters of the Universe and She-Ra with Christmas, right? Like... It's a classic for me, and I love to watch it every year. Um, you know, I think it has enough holiday elements to it that, you know, any kid could watch it and enjoy it. Um, you know, for it being, you know, during this time of the season, like you said, you know, it's also fun to watch it any other time of the year, partly because it's just a great, like, He-Man story with the Monstroids and the Manchines, you know, and, and the Horde Prime and Hordak and Skeletor, you know, I won't say working together, but being forced to sort of, you know, interact. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm all in on saying it's a classic. I, I, so you're right. It's, it's biased. We are definitely biased because I will say yes. I've watched it every year since um, I could as a kid. Uh, there's never been a year that I haven't watched it, even during my tumultuous teenage years where I was kind of a, a jackass. I still would sneak uh, that D, that uh, VHS tape into my room and watch all the classic Christmas specials and remember those things. And then when it came out on DVD, absolutely. Uh, some years I've watched it multiple times. Uh, in preparation for this tonight, uh, I've I watched it three or four. I'm not going to lie. And I'll probably watch it again before Christmas. Yeah, I will too. Um, I, I agree. I think for people in our age group, um, this represents the 80s in a way of taking us back to our youth. Um, He-Man and She-Ra were hugely popular. Cartoons at the time did the same thing. There's so many 80s cartoons that had uh, special Christmas episodes or even just Christmas special episodes outside of the rotation. And um, it made me want more toys as a kid, for sure. Um, and as an adult, because I collect them still, so do you. Um, but I, this one just makes me think of a different time. It takes me back to being a little kid, being very excited to to know that Santa was coming and to see what He-Man toys and She-Ra toys were going to be under the tree. And I don't know. So for personal reasons, I say yes, this is a classic special. I think everybody should watch it. Do I think it's going to be everybody's cup of tea? Absolutely not. But I think those of us that grew up in the 80s, um, who were kids during the time of He-Man and She-Ra, I absolutely think, um, given its silliness still, you would still enjoy this show. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it's not going to be top tier like, you know, Frosty and Rudolph and, you know, uh, Santa Claus movie and, 
they're calling 34-3 kind of things. But, I mean, if you if you relate to the 80s, um, then you can rely on this to put you in the Christmas spirit and kind of, you know, put you in that mode of, um, you know, goodwill and giving. And, you know, Jason, while we're on that topic. Oh, yes. The He-Man Shira <laughs> Christmas special has moved me enough that I think it's time for you to get one of your early Christmas gifts for me. Oh yeah, yeah. Wow, what a what a surprise! Well, I just feel like this segment of the show. Yeah, surprise. Um, you know, I just feel like you work so hard on all these podcasts to do such a great job of hosting it that I thought I would give you a small break where you get to enjoy someone else's efforts and just enjoy a segment that you don't have to run. Oh, okay. And um. I am, I am caught off guard. I'm okay. sorry that there's no gift receipt for you to return this because it's just kind of happening. <laughs> and it's not an attempt for me to usurp control of the uh, podcast and start my own prattling with Peter podcast or anything like that and promote it. Of course. I would definitely watch or listen to <laughs> prattling with Peter. But I have prepared a small game for you. Oh, you know, you okay. like to sometimes quiz people on your podcast. I thought oh, I would flip it a little bit. And we can play a short game called How Well Does Jason Know the He-Man and She-Ra Christmas Special? Oh, gosh. Okay. So, And I think okay. you're going to do very well. We have five questions. And we've already probably somewhat covered them, some of them a little bit loosely. But we'll see. You've got five opportunities here to get them right. All right. You ready? Uh, Yeah. Okay, so question one. Which of the following characters is not seen in the background of Adora and Adam's birthday celebration? Okay, you got four choices. You have to choose who's not in the background. Seahawk, Lizard Man, Mechanek, or Roboto? I know Roboto is. What were the first choices? Seahawk, Lizard Man... Mechanic and Roboto. So which of those four... Seahawk. I'm going to go with Seahawk. Not in the background. Okay. I'm going to go with Seahawk. So Seahawk is in the background. Damn. As are Lizard Man, Lizard Man and Mechanic, but Roboto... Oh. You'll have to fact check this, but I studied these scenes and did not see Roboto anywhere. Okay. Well, then I... Clearly, there's so many characters that I did. I knew Mechanic was because he's my favorite. Yeah, but you only see his neck. <laughs> like he's like a that's true. You do only see his neck, but he stands out. <laughs> but yeah, there are so many fun appearances because you know, like I love seeing the Trollans, like Duriel and Yuckers and um, Uncle Montork and Sodak and even Lucky. You know, they're fun. All right, question two: Which of the following villains does not appear in the Christmas special? Ratlore, Webstore. Triclops or Catra? Triclops. Exactly. Yeah. So I, what I love about this is that, you know, we get to see so many staple villains in every episode, like, you know, Beastman and Evil Lynn and Triclops and Trapjaw, but you don't see any of those, you know, mm-hmm. in this episode because they focus almost exclusively on, like, further, you know, second and third tier villains. Yeah. Okay. Question three. As you know, Shiva can transform her sword into many shapes. At least there have been 30 or more over the run of the series. <laughs> Some of the stranger ones being a discus, a ladder, a magnet, and even a lightning rod. And the very first transformation was actually an ice maker, which I find extremely strange. 
She retransforms her sword into which of the following during the episode? Now, two of these answers are correct and two are fakes. Okay. So there's sword to shield, sword to lasso, sword to flame, and sword to staff. Lasso and flame. Yes. Great job. Yeah, there are some crazy ones out there. I love looking up pictures. I wish we could get like an accessories pack of all the things that she were to turn her. Uh, it would be amazing. It would be absolutely amazing. Okay, um, in the final scenes, Fisto is showing Mossman something on his fist, which is what? Is it oh, God. a Christmas ornament, a cupcake, or a wrapped present? A cupcake? It is a cupcake. <laughs> and if you're not picturing the scene, you have to go back and look at it, because Mossman's got this super perplexed look on his face while there's a tiny little cupcake in the palm of Fisto's gigantic fist. It's pretty wonderful. Okay. Final question. Which of the following strange visual occurrences can be seen in the background of this episode? One, a many faces with reversed colors. Two, a flood arena with no wings. Three, a shirtless buzz off. Or four, Queen Marlena in a winter dress. Oh, that's tough. Reverse colors, many faces? No, that's not actually it. You want to take a second oh. guess? Is Flood Arena without wings? No. And actually this, you know, had I not included this in the quiz, I probably would have included in the very, you know, like gay area of what we see in this episode. It's actually a buzz off that appears to be shirtless. So he doesn't have his stripes? He doesn't have his stripes. If you look like when they pan through the crowd at the end, mm-hmm. there's, you see, like when you're probably, you were so focused on Mechanek's head sticking up, but what you see is... Buzz off standing there. He's got no stripes on his chest. It's just like um, it's just like the same color as his arms, and you see his wings, which is how I knew it was him and his head. And then you see Mechanic's head sticking up from behind. So I don't know what's going on in that scene in the back corner. <laughs> now I'm gonna go back and watch it again. But pay attention for shirtless Buzz off because I don't know if we get to see that at any other point in the series. <laughs> I love that we ended on such a gay gay question. That's fantastic. Yeah, and why wouldn't we? <laughs> so, you know, out of the six oh possible God. points, though, you did get four, I believe. Well, good. That's pretty good. That's passing. Yay! So congratulations. <laughs> Yay for my B-plus average. <laughs> <laughs> like high school all over again. <laughs> yeah. So. Oh, my gosh, Peter. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. Thank you for having me. And Peter. Yes, sir. Merry Christmas and happy holidays. Merry Christmas and happy holidays to you as well. Well, we hope you enjoyed your Christmas adventure in Eternia and can't wait for you to come back for tomorrow's episode, our third day of Giftmas. So we'll see y'all soon. Merry Christmas, y'all. Silent Night, the disco edition, provided by freexmasmp3.com.